Hey, this is Lee Snow. I'm the preacher of Orange Springs Road Church of Christ, and this is our podcast. I wanted to thank you for downloading today. I hope it inspires you. I hope it builds your faith. I hope it gives you a perspective to see what God wants to do in your life. And I hope it challenges you to a faithful tomorrow. In Ezra 7 and verse 10, the Bible says, So Ezra prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord and to do it, in teaching Israel statues and judgments. Again, let's read that again. So Ezra prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord and to do it, in teaching Israel statues and judgments. The topic that has been given to me, given me tonight is, Uh, what tomorrow's generation needs to know and how to tell them. Usually when I get topics, I usually know exactly where I want to go. Of course, after some time of studying, you know, you kind of build the skeleton for the sermon. Uh, But it took me a while with this one. How can we help young people? How can we help uh, not just young people in the church, but in general? I want to read some statistics to you before we begin tonight. It says, in the next 24 hours in the United States, 1,439 teens will attempt suicide. 2,795 teenage girls will become pregnant. It says 15,006 teens will use drugs for the first time. 3,516s will run away. In 2013, uh, the United States handled 1.1 million juvenile delinquency cases. Uh, more than a quarter of crimes uh, by committed uh, by juveniles are committed by females. It says almost 22,000 crimes involved, involved weapons. Says every four minutes a youth is arrested uh, for alcohol related crime. And it says every seven minutes a youth uh, is arrested on some drug charge. Uh, It says suicide is the second leading cause of death uh, for people between the ages of 10 and 24. Most teens and young adults uh, die, more more teens and young adults die from suicide. They're from heart disease, uh, AIDS, birth defects, uh, pneumonia, cancer, and lung disease combined. Five out of four out of five teens will attempt suicide, uh, give give warning signs, but often uh, those signs are missed or ignored. I want to read that one to you one more time. It says four out of five teens who attempt suicide give warning signs. But often, uh, those signs are missed or ignored. The verse we just read to you again, Ezra 7, verse 10. Ezra prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord and to do it in teaching Israel statutes and judgments. Generations will continue to fail if we don't do something about it. Just how it is. You know, we look at the world and we say, well, generations are failing because of the school system 
Well, generations are failing because of uh, the court system. Generations are failing because of even churches. Generations are failing because we are not doing something right at home. That, that, that's really where the bulk of the problem comes from. If you remember in the book of Deuteronomy, as Moses is giving the second law, uh, that book means second law. He's just a, re- a repeat of what we find in the book of Exodus. Moses here throughout this book, uh, 29-some chapters in Deuteronomy, he's going to spend uh, more or less the first 30 days uh, teaching the people uh, the law again. And then the last 30 days of that book, uh, the people were going to mourn the death of Moses. And then in those 30 days, Moses is giving the second law again. Uh, Moses takes us back to what he told the first generation over in Exodus chapter 20. What do we find there? He's telling the people, do what God says. Deuteronomy chapter 18, the test of a true prophet. But before that chapters, chapters 15 through 17, over and over again, we have the blessings and the cursings. If you follow my word, you have blessings. But if you don't follow my words, the consequences, the curses are going to come upon you. The reason our generations are failing is because we as adults don't know the Bible. If we don't know the Bible, how are we going to help them know the Bible? If we don't know what God's word said, how are we going to teach them what they have to do? Generations will continue to fail if we don't give them God's word. Again, you look at the world today and and many people are always uh, trying to come up with new technology or or new uh, different schemes on how we can uh, get young people into church. Uh, Well, let's come up with uh, this program or or that program and, and how about we do more of this for the young people? Truth be told, we have enough programs. I guarantee you put all the churches together, we have enough programs. What we need is some Bible. Programs are not going to save the Lord's church, the Bible is. Programs is not what the church needs, the church needs book, chapter, and verse. And when we are fully persuaded of that as adults, then we can help our young people go to heaven. You, you, you take our churches tonight. Why don't our young people stay faithful to God when they go off to college? I don't have the statistic of that tonight, but I guarantee you if I had that statistic of young people who grew up in the church, who go off to college, if I had to guess, I would say at least 58%, somewhere around there, are no longer faithful to God when they go off to college. Why is that? For so many years, we've developed this mindset that says as long as we bring our children to worship, that's enough. They're here. That's good. But what about the teaching? Again, Ezra prepared his heart to see the law of the Lord and to do it. And then he says what? Teaching Israel statutes and judgments. The world is never going to obey a gospel they never hear about. The world needs the gospel. So there is a problem tonight. We know that. There is a problem with our young people, with, with, with this so-called generation. How do we help them? First of all, tonight, 
Acting like there isn't a problem doesn't fix the problem. Again, the, the, the number that we gave you here, four out of five teens who attempt suicide give warning signs. But often those signs are missed or ignored. So we have young people. Let me just say this first. Suicide is real. We all know it. We all see it every day. But it's almost as if in many places, unfortunately, even in the lowest church, we're afraid to talk about it. But it's here, and it's real, and our young people have questions about it. Here you have a young person coming home uh, telling their parents, well, my friend in sixth or seventh grade, whatever the case is, committed suicide. How do we help our young people? We have to talk to them. More often than not, young people are not just going to walk up to us and tell us they have a problem. They're not going to do it. No way, no how. How do we get them to talk to us? We push video games. There's nothing wrong with that. We push sports. There's nothing wrong with those things. But how about we push some Bible? Push some Bible. We know everything about this basketball player or that football player or this sport and that athlete and, and all the actresses and, 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 and actors and whatever the case is. But some of our young people can't even tell you the 12 apostles. We don't even know our books to the Bible. And it is because as adults we have emphasized the wrong thing. It's good to get a good education. In fact, in our world, you need a good education, but you also need some Bible. Because when we die, if all we had was good education, then we have failed as adults. If all we push to our young people is get a good education, then we have failed in our responsibilities to them and to God. It's more than just getting a good education, but it's also getting some Bible in us. If you remember in 1 Samuel chapter 16 through 17, uh, here we have David going to, going to fight that giant Goliath. In chapter 16 of 1 Samuel, what do we find? Going into chapter 17, uh, Saul needs someone to fight this battle. And so here you have David uh, being the young person out of the group. All his brothers, even King Saul, didn't want to go fight. David said, I'll go fight. Young people can make a difference. If you remember in 2 Kings chapter 5, uh, we have that little maid. What did she do? She went to Elijah, to Naaman, excuse me, and she told Naaman what the prophet had said. Go dip in this river. This is what you have to do. A little maid who made a difference. If you remember in the book of Jeremiah, uh, we have Ebed-Melech, the Ethiopian eunuch, a different one from Acts chapter 8. What did he do? He went and helped Jeremiah. And then you get to 2 Chronicles 34. Josiah was eight years old when he became king of Judah. Eight years old. Young people can make a difference. You know, growing up, especially, well, just growing up in general, let me say that there. We want our young people to do what's right. We want our young people to make a difference, but we don't want to listen to them. 
it's not enough just to say our young people are the church of now. They're the church of tomorrow. Uh, they're the future church. It's not enough just to say that, but they have to know that as well. If we're going to say our young people are the ones who are going to uh, make the church continue to grow, then we have to put them in positions so they can grow. As adults, sometimes it's, it's, it's almost as if we, we, we feel threatened by the fact that young people know, know more than we do about certain subjects. Church, that's the good thing. They have social media. They have all these different outlets at their fingertips. We can use that to get the message of Christ across. But what do we do? Very often we say, well, I don't know about that. That's, that's not a good idea. Why? Because that's not the way we're used to doing it. Just because something is new and fresh doesn't mean it's wrong. Does it? Because we can say, well, we've done it this way for 40 or 50 years, but times have changed. The message is the same, but the times have changed. And if we want to use this message in this world, church, we are going to have to adapt as well. We're going to get left, up, left behind. Again, we're not talking about changing the Word of God. The Word of God says what it says. The Word of God is what it is. It's always going to be a what book, chapter, and verse. But that doesn't mean we can't do things better as a congregation to bring more people in. I love door knocking. I believe it works. But there are also other outlets as well. So again, acting like there isn't a problem, it doesn't help the problem. In Luke 22, if you remember in Luke 22, Jesus here is with his disciples. Now, all of us know uh, Peter was uh, that disciple who I love to illustrate as uh, the disciple that loved to talk. In Luke 22, First, I want to read to you here. I want to read it to you uh, so I can really put emphasis on it. In Luke 22, again, Jesus uh, speaking to his disciples. I want to begin here. Luke 22, let's begin in verse 31. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon. And hath desire to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. Let's read that verse one more time. Verse 31. And the Lord said, Amen, Amen. Satan has desire to have you. Church, we can put all of our young people in that verse. Satan wants our young people. Because Satan understands that if he can get that small generation... If he can get us at our age, whatever your age is, he understands that if I can get those people, I can stop the message from going forth. And it's almost as if he understands that better than we do sometimes. If I can get one young person to stop being faithful to God, then maybe I can get two. Maybe I can get three. Maybe I can get a hundred. Because if you remember in Job chapter 1, what do we find here? Job chapter 1, verse 7, you have the conversation between God and Satan going on here. And what is he saying? Let me have them. 
he still wants us tonight. And what did God say? Hey, you can have them. Chapter 2, verse 1 down to verse 7, just don't kill him. He wasn't able to get Job, but you know who he got? He got his wife. Because Job 2, verse 9, his wife is asking him, do you still have any integrity? How about you just curse God and die? He wants the top, and he's going to make his way all the way down and back up again. Satan wants your young people, and we have to guard them from what Satan has. If you remember, in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, 2 Corinthians chapter 2, Paul says, we are not ignorant of Satan and his devices. But it seems as if today, we're not ignorant, but man, we are flirting with it. Because we know who the devil is. According to John 8, verse 44, he's a liar, and in him is no truth. The Bible says when he speaketh of a lie, he speaketh of his own. Why? For he's a liar and the father of them. Our young people need to know he's a liar. If you remember, in Genesis chapter 37, we're introduced to the young man named Joseph. If you want a, a model picture of a for young person, look to Joseph. Because here you have Joseph uh, being sold into slavery, trying to go through this quickly. He's sold into slavery. He gets down to Potiphar's house, Genesis 39. Potiphar's wife lays her eyes upon him. The Bible says day after day, she said, lie with me, verse 10, going down to verse 12 there. What did Joseph do? Joseph said, hey, I can't do this. And then what, what happens as a result of that? He's thrown into prison for doing the right thing. Doing the right thing always pays off. Because we see in Genesis chapter 4 that he's promoted, second in command over all of Egypt. Why? Because he was faithful to God. Joseph wasn't faithful to God because his daddy told him to be. Joseph was faithful to God because his God was faithful to him. Coming all the way out of Egypt, God was there. He spent two years in prison. Genesis chapter 38, verse 1 and verse 2. Two years in prison. The cupbearer forgot about him, but he's still faithful to God. In Romans chapter 8, uh, verse number 18, uh, Paul says, For I reckon that the suffering of this present time is not worthy to be compared to the glory uh, that shall be revealed in us. Satan desires our young people. Uh, he desires their minds. Again, if you remember Romans chapter 12, 1 and 2, verse 2, uh, Paul says, be not conformed to the world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Jeremiah 17, verse 9, the heart is deceitful and above, above all and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Very often when we think about the heart, we think about what's in our chest. But when the, mind, but when the Bible talks about the heart, it's talking about the mind. Genesis chapter 6, verse 5. And God saw that the wickedness was great in the earth. And everyone did evil continually. Mark 2, verse 9. Matthew 13, verse 15. Proverbs 3, verse 5. Trust in the Lord with all thy heart. Talking about the mind. 2 Corinthians chapter 8. But let every man give as he purposes in his heart. Talking about the mind. Romans 10, verse 1. Brethren, my heart's desire, as 8, verse 37. If thou believest with all thine heart, thou shalt be saved. 
the Bible is talking about the mind, not what's in our chest. Sin is after our young people's mind. Because he knows if he can infiltrate their mind, he can put something in there. And he can keep putting it in there. And then next thing we know, our young people, we don't even recognize them anymore. When I saw this statistic, I couldn't believe it. It says one out of three young people, by the time they reach 14 years old, will have already watched pornography in their life. And it seems as if we turn a blind eye to it. Satan is after their minds. He wants their hearts. Again, Romans chapter 12, 1 and 2. Uh, Satan is after their choices. Satan wants you to do the wrong thing all the time. That's what he wants. He wants us to make bad decisions uh, time and time again. Every day, uh, your child makes a choice. And when it's not a good one, uh, Satan will try to heat the guilt, remorse, and I give up attitude uh, within the child's heart. That's when it's important for you to be there extending grace uh, when your children are dealing with consequences of bad choices as a way of showing them that God's grace is always available in the form of a second Third and million chances to try again. Aren't you happy tonight that God gives us 200 chances if we ask for them? Aren't you happy tonight that God didn't write you off the first time? Again, if you read Matthew chapter 17, how often shall I forgive my brother? Seven times. Jesus says, no, 70 times seven. The point is you keep forgiving but you also keep teaching. You keep forgiving, but you also keep instilling in them what the Bible has to say. Young people don't know the Bible because we as adults don't make the Bible a priority. Again, we push everything else. There's nothing wrong with those things any of themselves, but the Bible needs to be number one. The Bible has to be number one because according to Matthew 6, verse 8 down to verse 10, you can't serve God and mammon. You can't have it all. Matthew 6, verse 33, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All these things shall be added unto you. If you remember 1 Timothy 4, verse 12, Let no man despise thy youth. Why is that? Being thou an example to the believers. Young people can make a difference in the church. Because we have this attitude, young people say, well, the adults don't want to do anything. And adults have this attitude where the young people are always trying to run ahead. If you put the wisdom of the adults with the enthusiasm of the young people, we can get a lot done for the cause of Christ. Instead of saying that they don't know anything, they're young, that's an opportunity to teach them. Instead of saying, well, young people can't make a difference, that's an opportunity to teach them because what happens? They grow up, and the wisdom you gave them is still in there. Proverbs 22, verse 6, train up a child in the way he should go. Luke chapter 15, why did that prodigal son come back home? Because he knew something. 
He knew his daddy loved him. He knew his daddy would have him back. Our young people always need to know we love them, and God will have them back. No matter what they do, God will have them back. God had us back. Romans chapter 5, verse 8 and 9, For when we were yet without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man would die, yet peradventure for a good man, some would even dare to die. Verse 8, but God hath commended his love toward us, everyone. And that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. None of us are perfect. We've all made mistakes. But instead of always putting our mistakes on a shelf and leaving them there, let's let our young people know when they make a mistake, it doesn't have to be the end. We've all made mistakes. Satan is after their mind, their choices. But Satan is also after their disappointments and heartaches. Uh, Kids have many of these. Uh, Perhaps uh, as many as adults have. And when the human heart is disappointed, it's natural to ask, where was God? Young people want to be faithful to God. They want to know God. They want to understand God. John 17, verse 3 and 4, Jesus is praying the Lord's Prayer. Verse 3, he's asking, he's praying that we may know God. It is his desire for us to know the Father. It is his desire for us to follow and live after him. Live like God. That's what Jesus wants us to do. Why did he allow this, young people ask? Didn't he care about me? Satan wants your children to doubt God's presence, his goodness, and his love. When we teach our children at an early age uh, to heed to the instructions of 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 18, and be thankful in all things, even the disappointments of life. You know, it is the case. We can always find good in bad situations. I love being around optimistic people who always find the good and bad. Uh, Luke chapter, excuse me, uh, Acts chapter 16, uh, Paul is in prison. Paul took a bad situation and made it turn out for good. Here's Paul in prison uh, for preaching the word of God. Acts chapter 16, verse 13, down to verse 16, the conversion of Lydia. And there you have the lady who was demon-possessed. Paul took that, Paul and Silas, they they released this woman for what she was going through. The magistrates saw that. They go into prison. What do they do? They're praying and singing in prison. And as a result of that, the Philippian jailer is converted. Paul, more or less, turned his prison, his prison to a platform. We as adults have to do that, but also show our children how to do that as well. Again, he's after their disappointments and their heartaches. A state is after their insecurities. Children have multiple insecurities. uh, That includes feelings of inadequacy, uh, the fear of failure, poor body image, uncertainty about their likability, and so on. You know, a high school teenager, I can speak to this from experience. 
we have to be some of the most moodiest people in the world. We come home one day, we're fine. The next day someone said something to us, we're moody. It's what we do. All of us have been there. That's who we are. It's just how it is. And young people have these insecurities every day they go to school. They don't know if their classmates are going to accept them. They don't know if they're good enough. They don't have on the best shoes. They don't have on the, the best clothes that their classmates have. They're not the, the, the popular kids in their classes. And as a result of that, it leads to all of these problems. All those statistics I read to you when we begin, all of that stems from those statistics. Most of those can be solved. Most of those can be solved by just listening. You know, something my parents did, and they still do today, one of the best things you can do for your children are listen to them, no matter what it is, no matter what they're saying. Sometimes listening solves a lot of problems. And because we are so busy in our own lives, we don't listen. And again, I keep reading this to you because it's real. Four out of five teens who attempt suicide church, they give warning signs. But often, those signs are missed or ignored. Children need help. This generation needs help. Tomorrow's generation needs help. And again, acting like there isn't a problem is not going to fix the problem. We know we have a problem, but we also have a solution. Aren't you glad that God didn't just put us in the earth and say, figure it out for yourself? Aren't you glad God just didn't create man and say, now you just go and do what you want to do? No, God gave us instructions on how to live. John 4 verse 24, God gave us instructions on how he wants to be worshipped. Ephesians 5 verse 19, Colossians 3 verse 16. God gave us instructions on how everything he wants, everything he's created, how everything wants to go. But what good are the instructions if we don't read them? You know, many of us buy new technology, new phones, whatever it is, especially when you buy iPhones. You know, you usually don't know how to work. You don't have to read the instructions. Uh, usually when you're putting something together, you can kind of uh, guess it and, 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 and say, well, I know this goes here and, 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 and this goes there and try to put it together. But all that stuff will probably go a little easier if we just read the instructions. Go a lot easier. In fact, the people who created those things took the time to create the instructions so we can get it right the first time. God has given us instructions. And God knows we're not going to get it right the first time. Not even the second time. Not even the third or 20th time. But God is giving us instructions so that we can live like him. If we're not trying to live like God, then who are we trying to live like? Uh, we know Ecclesiastes chapter 11 and verse number 9. Uh, Rejoice, O young man, in thy youth. Let thy heart cheer thee in the days of thy youth. Walk in the ways of thine heart and in the sight of thine eyes. But know this, for all these things God will bring thee into judgment. Young people, there's nothing wrong with having a good time. There's nothing wrong with it. But make sure your good time is in accordance with God's will. Ecclesiastes 12, verse 1. Remember now the Creator in the days of thy youth, 
before the evil days come, in the years draw nigh, when thou shalt say, I have no pleasure in them. The last two verses of that chapter, chapter 12, Solomon says, let us hear the conclusion of the whole manner. You take the book of Ecclesiastes, 12 chapters. You take Proverbs, 31 chapters. 30 chapters of minus chapter 31, the virtuous woman. You take all of these chapters. Solomon says the one thing that matters is to fear God and keep his commandments. Okay, here you have a man who had everything under the sun. Ecclesiastes chapter 1. His conclusion, vanity of vanity, said the preacher, all is vanity. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole of man. Uh, young people need to see God in us, in their parents, in their marriages, uh, in the homes. It's very difficult to live or try to live a God, was very, let me rephrase it, it's very difficult uh, to tell our young people to live like God when we don't live like God. It's difficult to tell our young people, I need you to uh, 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 follow the example of God when we as adults don't follow the example of God. Children are not going to follow us if we don't give them something to follow. When was the last time you asked a young, well, let me rephrase that. When was the last time a young person said, I want to be like Jesus? Now, I'm sure it does happen. But just ask yourself, when was the last time you heard it? We usually hear, I want to be like this athlete. I want to be like that football player, that basketball player. Young people idolize those people. Because we as adults idolize those people. How about idolizing Jesus? When you're at your dinner tables, do you talk about Jesus? Nehemiah chapter 8, Nehemiah says, when they rise, teach them the word of God. When it's time to go to bed, teach them the word of God. Moses, excuse me, Exodus, in the middle of the day, teach them the word of God. There's never a time we should not teach them the word of God. We can't profess we know God and they don't see it in us. Uh, young people also need to know, again, their opinions matter. Uh, so many young people have left the church uh, because they feel like they aren't important. Church, that's sad. When young people leave the church because they feel as if they are not important, we have failed in our responsibilities to them and to God. Uh, we can't tell them, again, how important they are and not listen to them. Uh, young people... I need not, again, to just look for secular education, but also that of biblical. Tomorrow's generation needs to know that we love God. But not just by what we say, but some of our actions. If we all look into the James 1 verse 25 tonight, the perfect law of liberty, the word of God tonight... Uh, 2 Corinthians 13, verse 5, Paul says, examine yourselves. If we all look into the word of God tonight, we can know and we can be uh, 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 sure that there is something we can work on. Young people need help. And we have the help for them. Suicide is the second leading cause of death. For people between the ages of 10 
and 24 years old. When you look at our churches, that's the group. That's the group that we need to instill something in. Again, the little ones, it's good. Instilling in them to get them while it's early. But from that 10 to 24-year-old range, many have said that is the group who needs our help the most. Are we helping them? Again, all these statistics. Every four minutes, a youth is arrested for something. Uh, Alcohol-related. A drug charge. Young people are sitting in jail. Not just those of the world, those of the church. Our young people are sitting in jail. And for what reason? Because they don't know God. Right here tonight, we can fix a problem that has been happening for generations. We can do something about it. And it all goes back to the word of God. So Ezra prepared his heart to see the law of the Lord and to do it. It's not enough just to seek it, but you have to do it. And then once you do it, what do you have to do? You have to go teach. He went and taught Israel statues and also that of judgments. Any questions tonight?